The Craft Food Classroom is a comprehensive and in-depth five-part online, go-at-your-own-pace course that will provide everything needed to build a thriving food business. Each module includes a video, presentation, workbook, and quiz. This course teaches students exactly what they need to know to succeed in the craft food industry and avoid pitfalls and costly mistakes. Learn more at thecentral.kitchen/classroom and you can use podcast21 at checkout for 10% off anytime. Again, that code is podcast21 for 10% off. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. today's episode of the Physical Product Movement Podcast, we dig into everything Amazon with Fernando Campos, co-founder at Marketplace Ops, a leading Amazon strategy firm that delivers growth for best-in-class CPG brands. We discuss the pluses and minuses of selling on Amazon, the winning strategies brands are using right now to grow on Amazon despite its saturation and competitiveness. We discuss the characteristics of products that do well on Amazon and the critical first 90 days of a product launch. And also, we talk about the five mistakes brands are making that are keeping them from capitalizing on the Amazon opportunity. If you've ever considered selling on Amazon or are currently selling on there with less than stellar results, then don't miss this episode. Fernando knows his stuff and was a fantastic guest. Enjoy. All right. Hey, Fernando, uh, welcome to the podcast. How you doing, man? Doing well, Ken. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, man. I want to hear about Marketplace Ops and uh, what you guys have been up to. been following you a little bit on on social media. And so you guys are are doing a lot of cool things. And I think the audience uh, will really benefit from this conversation. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, we like to start off with with a quick quote, you know, maybe something that gets you out of bed or inspires you and has been impactful to you. Do you have a do you have a quote in mind? So, uh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this one. So actually, one of our company values is being 1% better every day. And I think that, you know, has really impacted me in, in a lot of different ways. It's mindset, both kind of stemming from my business partner and I, and hopefully that kind of permeates through our company culture. But I think, yeah, when I, when I take a step back and just kind of look at our organization, we're definitely... Um, yeah, we, we don't accept like the status quo. We're constantly tinkering... Uh, finding new ways to improve, trying new things, new strategies in terms of what works on Amazon. And I think that's been, yeah, probably one of the, I guess, like mottos or quotes that I, I live by. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And and it's so practical too. You know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, think about the New Year's, you know, resolution thing where you set a whole bunch of these really, you know, crazy unachievable goals. And, you know, by the end of January, you're, you've given up. But the approach of just taking it, you know, a day at a time and just trying to be just a little bit better every day, I think can compound over time. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how we think about it. It's just like, yeah, if you can just get you know, make a slight improvement every single day, just kind of taking some time to kind of sit back, think about how you're doing things. Is there a better, faster, more effective way of doing things? Or even just like, 
you know, how I communicate or how I provide like feedback doesn't even necessarily have to be like kind of execution type of work, Uh but yeah, just how I show up for the team or how we show up for clients, all of that, I feel like is constantly an iterative process. And I think as long as you know that like, you know, it's a part of a journey and you're not really trying to focus on, on a finish line, then yeah, like there's always so much like room for improvement. Right. You know, and it's kind of a very sort of marketing centric view too, because a, a mm-hmm. lot of marketing, especially, you know, I, th- I think you can look from the outside and you could think, oh, they, these guys just woke up in the morning with some great marketing idea and, you know, took it to market and it was a smash hit. But typically when you actually look behind marketing campaigns, they're just these tiny little tweaks over and over again that that make it so that a campaign actually works. Totally. I, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit because you guys, you know, obviously do that on Amazon and help people with Walmart. And, you know, so I think that would be good for the audience. But I'm curious if you have an example of like, you know, maybe some of these tiny tweaks that you've done in your life that you feel have, have really kind of paid dividends over time. Oh man, so many. I think, that, yeah, one off the top of my head so going back to the feedback one, so I think actually, so I learned this in in actually couples counseling with my fiance, which was really interesting. But it's like, yeah, like when you're providing feedback, you know, it's kind of slowing down, and then you know, using like, okay, I felt this way, or this is like how I. Really, so you're kind of making it like you know more I statements versus like you statements. You know, it's like, oh, you did this. And, and I think by like slowing down, so like, you know, if I talk normally fast, I'll kind of slow down like to maybe 50% and then just really think about like making sure that I'm using the I statements, but then also just how I'm framing things. And I think that just helps so much in terms of getting your message across. Uh, because obviously if you're slowing down your speech, then it's like, you know, it's you're a little bit more serious around like the conversation. And then so what I've seen is just like the message just like lands better. And so that kind of translates when I'm giving feedback to colleagues and things like that. But then often like as I like, kind of finish up with the feedback, then it's like, okay, let's like work on this together. You know what I mean? So it's again, like not using the you statements or like you need to do this or you need to improve here, but it's more mm-hmm. like, okay, let's work on this together. Like, what do you think about this? And then, so it, it's more of a collaborative effort. And so that's like some of like slight changes, like just in terms of like how I phrase things that have like, I think improved over the years. And other things is like, yeah, we're really big into coaching. And so we've had a few different CEO coaches over the years. And then like with the last one, he's like really a big part of the organization. He coaches all of our, like pretty much like our senior managers and above. And then we'll meet with them like once or twice a month. And then just kind of go through anything, whether it's like, you know, helping them with providing feedback, whether it's like, you know, kind of like strategic planning, like all of that kind of stuff. And we have like a really seasoned coach that, you know, connected through YPO. And yeah, I mean, it's been really transformational because naturally he has so like such a wealth of knowledge in terms of like how to make really effective leaders. And it's been really helpful for all of us, again, trying to become better every day. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's uh, let's hear a little bit about you. What's your background? Uh, where are you from? Where where are you at now? And uh, then hopefully that leads us into marketplace ops, and and you can tell us all about that. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in San Francisco. We were born and raised. And then I ended up in, in LA for college. And that's actually where my business partner, yeah, we're like best friends from college. Yeah, and we've, yeah, we actually just, we had a lot of fun. We were in the same business fraternity together. We partied together. And so the natural evolution was like after a few years of like working, we're like, oh, well, we're friends. We like, we enjoy each other's company. Why don't we start a business together? But yeah, I mean, I started, I guess, my career in finance. Personally, hated it. It, it wasn't for me. And so, yeah, so like I kind of interviewed with like every single company, like not really figuring out what the right fit was specifically for me until I kind of realized like, I think I want to start a business. And so yeah, I interviewed with a bunch of like tech startups in LA, ended up joining one really early stage, probably like employee number 15, like on the sales team at a company called Betterworks. And I mean, we we were making pennies, like 20 to 25 grand a year, cold calling restaurants. It was brutal, mm. but like, you know, really developed thick skin and it helped us so much, I think in terms of, yeah, I mean, just like learning about scaling businesses, hiring, creating a great company culture, uh, but the company didn't end up doing well. And then, yeah, basically the company kind of imploded. Both my business partner and I, who had joined there at the same time, went off, did our own thing for about two years. He joined a company called Taskus, which is, yeah, really Incredible story. Like they ended up going public last year based out of LA. Cool. And then, yeah, and then I joined a company called AnyPerk as employee number two. It's like a YC company kind of doing employee perks out of San Francisco. And then, yeah, helped scale that team. And then, yeah, after two years, we kind of came together and then, um, yeah, decided to to get into e-commerce. And so, yeah, we've been selling on Amazon since 2014. So it's been about eight years now. And then, yeah, we've, built a bunch of brands. We sold them. And then we now obviously manage a lot of like a CPG brands and direct consumer brands and helping them with their Amazon strategy. But yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind. Okay, cool. It looks like you built some tools along the way, like uh, Pixelfy. How does that fit into the, the story? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think in our in our, for sure, in our early years, we were kind of, we were taking on a lot of different like kind of projects. Now we're, I think we're a lot more focused, but I think yeah, basically, we got an opportunity to partner with another good friend, Anthony Bui Tran, and kind of build up like our personal brands within the Amazon space. And so uh, we were kind of doing like a, a very like foundational course and helping newer Amazon sellers. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it was a great business. But and then as um, we started realizing like, okay, this like this ecosystem is getting bigger and bigger naturally there's all these tools coming out whether it's like helium 10 or jungle scout viral launch and then you know my partner anthony saw like the opportunity for kind of like a link shortening tool within the amazon space and that would basically allow you to create super urls which would help you rank products it'd help you pixel your audience stuff like that and no one had really done it specifically for the Amazon space. And some of the more advanced digital marketers within the space were using other tools, like kind of more like affiliate tools, and then kind of trying to like tinker with them to make them more applicable to the Amazon space. And so because we'd already built up our personal brands and then and naturally like the economics of you know software SaaS is pretty incredible, then we decided to kind of kind of shift our focus from like the kind of course kind of personal brand side, more mm-hmm. sword, uh, towards Pixelfy. Yeah, and then we ran that for a few years. And then, yeah, we were very fortunate and were able to sell it actually last year, at the beginning of last year. Yeah, cool, cool. Are you still involved with that company at all? Or um, is, it, is it just completely hands-off after the sale? Yeah, I mean, pretty hands uh, Yeah, we're pretty hands-off. Yeah, I mean, it, we did a little bit of a transition for a few months, just kind of 
you know, providing like the product roadmap and, and everything else. But now part of the attractiveness of selling the business was that we wanted to be able to like really focus on the agency and, and not have as many like shiny objects, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. So it sounds like you've built a lot of brands, you know, different products on, on Amazon. I'm curious if we can maybe dig into one of those and, and talk about, you know, just kind of the whole journey, right? So you came up with an idea for a product, you know, where'd that idea come from? And then what were the first things you did to actually get, you know, get it off the ground and, and get going? So do you have one of, one of your brands that you think you could tell the story behind? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So MedChoice is one of the brands that we like, helped incubate and scale. And so... And that's yeah, a line uh, of supplements then? It is. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, some of the thought process around it was, yeah, I mean, we love the idea of consumables and supplements. Naturally, you know, you can spend more acquiring customers, but then naturally, you know, supplements, you, you reorder them pretty quickly, like, you know, often every 30 days versus other products like beauty is maybe not as frequent sometimes. And so... um yeah, we managed some clients that were in supplements and we knew that the volume was high if, if you could, you know, design the right product. And so like, you know, if you think about like back in the early days of Amazon, maybe like 2014, 2016, from at least from when we started, like you could basically launch anything, get reviews and the product would do well. Now mm-hmm. it's a lot more saturated. And so you have to really understand the, the, the platform a lot better, especially in, in, in more saturated categories like supplements. And so you need to figure out ways to kind of create more of a, like a blue ocean strategy and really differentiate. And so, yeah, one of the ingredients that we were really looking at was turmeric and just naturally knowing that it's like, it's got a ton of keywords, a ton of misspellings, ton of volume. And so we were trying to think of other ways that we could differentiate that product. And so, yeah, some of the ideas was, okay, well, a lot of people add bioprint. And so that, you know, helps with absorption. So that's like naturally something that we want to do. But then the concept was like, well, what if we add in, you know, so like one of the main benefits of turmeric is kind of anti-inflammatory like properties. And then it's like, okay, well, what if we think of other ingredients that, you know, also have the same properties and then make it like uh, a, a more differentiated product than what's out there. And so we noticed that like sometimes turmeric was also blended with ginger. So that's like, that makes a lot of sense. So we'll do at least turmeric, ginger and bioprin. And then the, the last ingredient that we added was garlic also had anti like inflammation kind of properties, you know, just overall, it's like a good, like, you know, health ingredient. And then, so we worked with some formulators to kind of like design that product. And then, yeah, I mean, naturally, you know, we have, like, we really understand how to like launch products well on Amazon. That's probably like one of our strongest skill sets and so we're like biggest differentiators and so yeah we we brought that one like to the market we launched in probably late 2020 and yeah i mean that product just like the single skew between one pack and two pack is probably doing around 300 grand a month now and it's it's kind of a combination of obviously we spend a lot of time on amazon like understanding like what works and what doesn't but then Mm -hmm. also just having the marketing power like firepower to be able to like get it to the front page of like naturally to some of those like bigger keywords like tumor capsules and stuff like that as well. Sure. Well, yeah, that's an incredible story. And obviously, you know, it's done well. I'm just trying to understand a little bit behind the, the product strategy. So have you launched additional products under that, that same brand or um, have you tried to just keep it pretty streamlined? Yeah, it's a great question. So yeah, we added a second product probably in like Q2, Q3 of last year. And so we did a sleep formula. And then, yeah, kind of similar strategy, like looking at like, yeah, what the other sleep formulas were out there, looking at which ones were blends, which ones were like single ingredients, which ones were doing better. 
And then, so yeah, again, like the way that we differentiated was we saw a bunch of different sleep formulas had kind of like seven, eight different ingredients, whether it was like valerian root uh, or chamomile or passion flower. And we're like, okay, cool. Like those all look great. Um, but like we actually take melatonin if, if we're having problems sleeping. And then so it's like, okay, well, what about like adding that in? And then naturally like that's like a, um, a pretty big keyword on Amazon and naturally like keyword volume is, is, is a huge part in terms of how we think about like product selection or product development. But then it's like, okay, no one's done this yet. We feel like this is like an intuitive, like it makes sense. So yeah, that's kind of, that was like the, the first product. And yeah, now we're working on, we're starting a third one as well. But yeah, we've also uh, leveraged like an influencer who's also like an investor in that brand. And they have like a really strong following and like, yeah, a lot of like raving fans. And so that's been really helpful in terms of like getting that early traction as well. But yeah, those are some of the things that we've done to scale MedChoice. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to dig into, you know, a specific example, you know, and with MedChoice, I think it's interesting that, you know, obviously, you know, it it did well pretty much right away is what it sounds like. And, and you've been, you know, building that brand. A lot of people mm-hmm. would have made the choice to then branch out into, you know, five, six, 10 different products under that mm-hmm. same product line. That's a strategy that, you know, obviously you see everywhere. Uh, you know, to me, I'm, I'm still curious why, you know, only have you launched just the sleep formula? And, you know, I'm guessing it has something to do with just really focusing, you know, and, and really kind of, you know, putting all your firepower behind, you know, one or maybe two, two different products. But I'm just curious how you think about that, right? Why not, you know, expand the line even greater, right? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I credit my business partner for this. Yeah, I, I think my tendency is kind of like the spray and pray is what we call it. <laughs> but yeah, our old, the the home kitchen brands that we scaled in the past was kind of more like that strategy. And so we had 250 SKUs, you know, we were doing probably about like 30 million a year on those, but it was such a pain to manage. Naturally, there's so much like supply chain inventory planning, especially because it was being sourced all from China. And so... Yeah, it's just like, you know, a lot of SKUs and, you know, some were massive, like doing a million a month, but then there's like this long tail of all these SKUs doing like 10 to 20 grand a month. And then we just realized like how difficult it was like for in terms of inventory planning, in terms of like brand managers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as we were starting, yeah, more on the supplement side, we were kind of thinking about like, okay, well... You know, a lot of people don't touch supplements because it's too saturated, but, you know, we're confident like in our ability to create products here. But, and then it's like, okay, well, hey, what if we just, yeah, kind of shifted the strategy? We'll just spend a lot more time on product development. We'll spend a lot more time in terms of like, of like really like making sure that the launch goes well, but like, can like one of those products, you know, generate the same profit as like whatever, 20 or 30 of those like old SKUs. And then it's obviously a lot less work. And then there's also, also like, you know, you have faster cash conversion cycles naturally by making the products in the U.S. and stuff like that. And so that was like a lot of the thinking. But yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of it was just like, yeah, simplicity. And then also, if I think if you, if I've seen a lot of people try to do like kind of the expand really quickly, which can work depending if you're really good at driving like off Amazon, you know, paid ads. But I think for us, because we're really hyper-specialized on Amazon, that's like our bread and butter. 
then it doesn't make as much sense because we need to like make sure that each product like really like sticks and hits like kind of like the the targets that we have set out for it. And so that's kind of been our approach. Okay. Yeah. And and obviously just the simplicity, like you said, but you know, um, when it comes to supplements and and most manufacturing, you, you just benefit from, you know, just being able to buy bigger and bigger volumes, which brings your costs way down. You know, exactly. You know, and that's and that's huge. Yeah, that's interesting. What you know? So, if you were, let's just say that you know you're listening to this podcast and you've been considering launching a physical product. You know, you're you want to sell something. You hear Amazon's you know blowing up and only getting bigger and bigger, um, and there's still lots of opportunities. How would you think about it? You know, what are some things that you would consider and and make sure you have covered? You know, before you launch your product. Yeah, it's a great question. I would say the first piece is determine if you're going to do it on Amazon, then determine if there's keyword volume for the product. Yeah, we'll talk to a bunch of clients and our potential kind of prospects. And a lot of the time, they have a really cool, innovative product, but it's not one that just people are like really aware of yet. And so because of that, then it's maybe not the best product to start off with on Amazon just until you've built up more awareness around like the product type because like yeah I mean basically 78% of search on Amazon is actually unbranded right so it's like you're looking for whatever like yeah again going back to the same example it's like turmeric capsules or you know calcium supplement whatever but you don't have a specific brand in mind and so like if if people aren't necessarily using that like um those keywords to like search for like the, the product that you have then, then yeah, just naturally it's hard to scale on Amazon until you've uh, really built out brand awareness. But on the flip side, you also don't want to do like what we call like a me too product. Like you don't want to do like whatever, like a 60 count of like calcium tablets. And there's like a million brands that have done that before you. that have got like five, 10, 20,000 reviews because and then like, even if you get to like a hundred reviews, let's say by month two, then like, there's still no incentive for someone to, to go and purchase yours when there's like someone with like a better offer right next to you with like 20,000 reviews. Right. And so I think you have to find a balance between like understanding like, okay, there's enough keyword volume here. Then to like my product is really differentiated and is ideally like a better offer than what's, you know, existing. Whether it's like something simple, like, you know, you're doing a two pack or you're adding in more ingredients or you're adding just more capsules or just like, yeah, making the product different in some way, I think is, is definitely crucial to being successful today. Because again, it's just so much more competitive on Amazon that you just have to find a way of, of standing out. And then I think like the last two pieces, I mean, obviously like margins are huge. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, we, we kind of measure everything based on like contribution margin so ideally you're at like a 20% or greater. I, I would say after advertising storage and, you know, COGS naturally FBA fees and referral fees. But and then also the last piece that I, I would really be thinking about is like, okay, well, like how can I make this product like really stand out on the search results? So whether that's like using like bright colors or if everyone's doing whatever white bottles, you do like a blue bottle or a green bottle because you're doing something plant-based. But just like things like that, that naturally will pull the consumer's like eyes towards your main image. Because if you can drive a higher click-through rate, then 
you know, naturally your product is going to sell more. You're going to rank better on Amazon. And so, yeah, like testing, like AB testing your main image is a huge thing as a part of our process mm-hmm. where we're always iterating with our design team. But yeah, I think those are some of like the big things I would be thinking about. Okay. And then obviously you've worked with, with a lot of people. What are some of the mistakes that you see other Amazon sellers making? You know, what, what are some of the things you'd avoid? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. I would say the first one is kind of just listing the product and then kind of just wanting to be there, but not really focusing on it and like in really launching the product well. Like now again, you know, like you mentioned, it's, it's more saturated. So you kind of want to think about Amazon, like similar to like how you would think about like a Kickstarter campaign. Like you wouldn't just like launch Kickstarter campaign and be like, okay, I'm going to come back to it in 90 days and see how it did. So Amazon's kind of the same way is that you want to come out of the gate really strong, like showing sales, you know, getting reviews, attention to it because Amazon has like what they call like a honeymoon period. It's arguable how long that is, but like most people think it's around like 60 to 90 days. But basically in those first 60 to 90 days, Amazon is determining like, okay, does this product belong on page one or on page whatever, 20? And so you kind of want to come out of the gate um, with an increasing amount of sales, but you want it consistent, like sales every single day, whether it's from your email list or friends and family or whatever, but you want to be consistent again, like for those like 90 days, that's like the easiest time to launch a product um, and get it to, again, rank on those unbranded keywords. So I think that's like probably the most common mistake that you see is like, oh yeah, like we're going to launch this, but we're going to do Shopify at the same time. And then we'll come back to the Amazon. So I would say that's like, yeah, one piece. I would say like the second piece is probably, yeah, I mean, maybe not perfecting the product like before you go live. So, you know, there's certain products out there that are just going to get get great reviews, like four and a half, five stars. There's other products that, yeah, maybe it's more subjective. Yeah, like sleep, for instance, like sleep is kind of subjective in terms of like it works for some people, doesn't work for others. And so you have to know that going in. But if you kind of come in on Amazon and your product isn't really perfected, like, you know, reviewers can be brutal and you'll end up with like a four stars and we'll see t- typically like a 20 to 30% difference in sales just by having that extra half stars between four and four and a half or four and a half and five. So yeah, I think just like kind of really thinking about those things just because like, yeah, I think again, reviewers can be really brutal. And so if there's little things that you haven't figured out, like in terms of like packaging or products not breaking or stuff like that, then yeah, it might not be the right time yet. Oh yeah, supply chain. You don't want to like run out of stock because Amazon can penalize you for that too. So all those things I would definitely make sure to have kind of nailed down before going on Amazon. Um, just cause yeah, like yeah, it, it's hard to come back from that. If you're at like a four star and you already have like a bunch of reviews. Oh yeah. I wouldn't do vine also, unless you have, you're a hundred percent sure no one's going to review this poorly. I would not do Amazon vine because those reviewers are pretty brutal. Yeah. And that's when uh, they send your product out to, to people to get reviews. Exactly. Yeah. You'll send like, send it out to like 30. Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. 
That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. 30 people and they'll kind of trickle in over like a year. But yeah, I actually just talked to someone recently and they're like, oh yeah, like we just tried Vine and I was like, can you get out of it? Like, you know, just kind of knowing that the product was going to have these kind of subjective like reviews. And then, you know, I talked to her a little bit like afterwards and she was like, Oh man, I wish I would have talked to you before, but yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being, she got, I think she ended up like got a, got a three and a half, you know, from those early reviews. And then, you know, that's like a death wish, I guess on a new listing. And so, yeah, often it's just easier just to remove the inventory, relabel it and then relaunch it without Vine. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Any other tips, you know, about Amazon, you know, that you think that people need to consider uh, when, when launching on Amazon. And then, you know, after that, I wanted to switch gears and just talk briefly about Walmart because that's one of the other uh, opportunities you guys help people with. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think the other one is like, yeah, really. And I touched on this a little bit, but it's really, you know, AB testing your main image. So that's like one of the things that we do uh, a lot is that we'll, we'll leverage like our like proprietary tool, but, but there, there's a lot of out of the box tools you can do this with, but like you, you'll, you'll take your main image and then grab like two or three of your main competitors and then run it through like an AB testing tool, like PicFu is one, for instance. But and then what you're doing is you're getting, think of it as like an online focus group. And then you're getting real buyers in the US with Amazon accounts to basically figure out, like to vote uh, what, which main image they like the best. And then they'll actually mm-hmm. provide feedback. And then so that is really helpful for us in terms of like, okay, well, what benefit, you know, really resonate with customers, you know, what text do we need to make bigger? Like, is there ways that we can really optimize the main image? So we're, again, we're driving that higher click-through rate, which is huge. Yeah. One way that we did it, which I thought was cool was one of our clients was like, Hey, we have this idea for a product. We're not really sure if it should, if we should do an organic certification, like a vegan, uh, or if we should just do like a regular, like vitamin D3. And we're like, okay, cool. Let's test that. And then, so what we did was we came up with three mockups for the main image and we set it at different price points based on like the cogs of the product. So it was like, I think it was like 20 something, like 22 bucks for the organic, 22 bucks for the vegan, and then like 20 bucks or 19 bucks for like the regular, um, just D3 without any of the, the certifications. And then, yeah. so we just ran through the tests. And our guess originally was that vegan would have the highest click-through rate, but it ended up being like the organic one. And so like little like kind of data-backed insights like that, I think is really helpful to kind of identify like, okay, this is more in demand. And yeah, so uh, they ended up launching their organic version. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. like some of the things that we'll do. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think that goes back to your quote, you know, about improving little by little every day. You know, uh, it's something like that, right? Like that organic, choosing to go with the, the organic route won't necessarily ensure that you're going to be successful, but it's one of those little things that just helps, you know, helps with the success of your, your product launch and for your business. You got it. Exactly. And one of the, the companies that you've worked with helped them with their Amazon was IQ Bar, you know, and it looks mm-hmm. like you guys have a case study on your website about it. If people want to read about it, you know, what, what are some of the things that you helped them with? 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of different stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're naturally like working with them uh, really closely. I mean, they're, they're a great company, by the way. Yeah. I love their products and everything, but I think, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was like the little things I think from what I remember in, in the beginning, they actually weren't doing the automated like uh, rating requests. And so I think that was an easy way for, for them to drive up like the reviews really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, because they were already doing like pretty well, I think they were already like around like the number 10 protein bar, give or take when we started, but we were able to naturally get more reviews and then therefore get to like, I think number five. And so. And then in search piece. results, I mean, that's massive, you know? That's, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And we had uh, Will Nitt on the podcast. He, he talked about his company and how he started, you know, we chatted a little bit afterwards. He's a great guy. So yeah, um, really like the company. Totally. Yeah. So I think, yeah, he's great. I think another thing that we did was we launched like kind of a sampler pack. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, you know, especially for IQ bar, cause you know, they have you know, obviously different flavors. And so if you're kind of new to brand, you're not necessarily sure like, okay, well, do I want like the chocolate sea salt or do I want this one? And then, so what we did was we launched, um, a sample pack where it's like, yeah, seven, seven bars, all assorted flavors. But then part of the advantage is within the grocery category, if you're under a $15 price point, then you actually get a discount on the referral fees. It's not like massive. It's like, you know, it's a 7% discount. So it goes from 15 to 8%, but it's still Mm -hmm. helpful. And then, so we basically launched that product, which does really well. And then, so it's great for people new to brand to be like, oh, okay, I'll order this one first, figure out that blueberry is my favorite. And then, then I can like, you know, reorder and then just buy only blueberry, if that makes sense. And so just like, little ways of like creating better offers like or in, in differentiated offers so that like you're kind of you know both helping like returning customers naturally on amazon but then also like all the new ones that you know are kind of um, evaluating you against like the other you know kind of keto protein bars yeah i think was some of the, the cool things that we did yeah i mean naturally again we're really strong at launches so yeah every time we, we they wanted to launch a new product i think that's like especially we're really strong but yeah i mean it's like the everyday things whether it's like you know kind of a, a managing their advertising strategy and figuring out again like how can we optimize make them you know increase sales or drive more profitability things like that those are a lot of the big things that we've been doing with them nice Okay, let's switch gears just uh, quickly to Walmart. Um, sure. So that's that's one of the other you know ways in which you can help a CPG brands. You know, how is that different from Amazon, and what you know what are some of the opportunities there? Yeah, so Walmart is great in a lot of ways, where it's definitely like the number two marketplace. So so if you're trying to diversify off Amazon, it's probably your best bet for a lot of for a lot of brands. The challenge. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll just go through the pros first. The upside is that they're a lot more lenient in terms of like the strategies because I mean, it's just, it's a more nascent marketplace. So mm-hmm. like they don't have like the same sophistication that Amazon has now in terms of like doing search find buy, which helps you rank or like, you know, purchasing reviews, like all that kind of stuff. They're, they're just a lot more forgiving because I think they're just trying to attract sellers, to be honest. The downside is that like, Amazon just outsells them by an incredible amount. And so when you look at like our brands across everyone that we work with, you'll see it's kind of like almost like a 20 to one ratio. And Mm -hmm. so give or take, you're selling 
5% on the high side of your Amazon sales. So again, even if you're doing, you know, hundred K a month and you know, you can expect to do about 5k on Walmart. And so, yeah, you're diversifying, but it's not really that meaningful, unfortunately, but, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of like some of the pros and cons. I've, everyone's, you know, within the community is kind of rooting for Walmart, hoping that they become bigger naturally. Uh, so you kind of decrease your dependency on Amazon, but yeah, truthfully, it's just like they're, they're just really far behind right now. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on some of the cons of uh, Walmart. What about some of the cons of, you know, the Amazon approach, right? Why wouldn't somebody want to sell on Amazon or what are some things to, to watch out for? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think the most common fear that people have is that like, okay, Amazon's going to steal your product idea and then go make it, which is definitely possible, obviously. But I think it's kind of like similar, like, you know, you run a tech company, you know, like how like kind of the early stage entrepreneurs, like they're, you know, trying to talk to people, meet investors, but they're like, oh, well, before I meet with you, can you sign an NDA? That same kind of concept is like, no, I'm I'm an investor. Like, I'm not going to sign your NDA. But like, it's kind of the same concept. It's like, you're kind of protecting nothing, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, I think it's more important to like build a business on Amazon or if if you feel like that's the right channel for you and then build IP or build a community, build raving fans that obviously like Amazon's not gonna be able to replicate as well. So I think that's like probably the most common one that you hear. But I mean, there are like downsides that they're so big right now that, you know, their take a listing down strategy, if there's any question and then ask questions later. Right. And so that can just mean that, you know, competitors will, you know, upload CBD into your backend keywords which is crazy. It's like, it's amazing that this still happens or like they'll put like sex toys actually in your keywords. And then Amazon's bots will see that in your backend keywords and then take your listing down because it's like an adult. And so it's kind of crazy that you can still kind of do that, but that happens all the time. And then, so like, those are some of the challenges like, and then just, there's like little like technology things that can be really frustrating, whether it's like, you know, you have all your variations on one listing to combine the reviews and because it's a better customer experience because like maybe it's a bunch of different flavors of the same product, but mm-hmm. then they'll just like split it for whatever reason into like eight different listings. So then it's, so all the reviews are like, you know, separated, stuff like that. And then you have to like kind of call in and wait for hours to get that and kind of combined again. But I mean, overall, like when you really think about like the the challenges of building your own brand, like through Shopify and your own e-commerce website, like it's like Amazon really removes so many of those hurdles, whether it's like obviously the fulfillment side because they have FBA, you know, optimizing for high conversion rates because, you know, we'll often see like 30 to 40% conversion rates uh, on our listings because it's Amazon. But if you're like, you know, more of a direct consumer company, you're probably looking at whatever, like two to 5%, right? So it's like multiples different and just Amazon customers have buying intent. You know what I mean? Like they, you have your, like, I mean, you have your address saved, your credit card saved. It's just so easy. And so, yeah, while you do pay like, you know, pretty meaningful percentages to them, I think it's, it's, it's a phenomenal way to scale. And then like you mentioned earlier, like, you know, you can get economies of scale, you can drive your cogs down and then therefore it starts the flywheel of building your brand. And so I think it's a phenomenal channel, but there are obviously like little headaches that come with it. 
Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we've been going for a while. Let's start wrapping things up. Before we do, just tell us about what exactly you do, right? With Marketplace Ops, you know, and if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and, and work with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, so we love working with brand owners and helping them scale on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, in terms of what we do, we kind of act as like an outsourced chief Amazon officer, if you will, with mm-hmm. obviously like an entire marketing supply chain design team to really focus on the Amazon and Walmart channels. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, we kind of, we take care of like it's full brand management. So everything that I kind of mentioned and touched upon, whether it's design, launching, advertising, um, inventory forecasting, you name it, like our team um, would take care of for clients. But yeah, I mean, if anyone ever like wants to reach out, yeah, feel free to check out our website or you could reach out to me at fernando at marketplaceops.com and happy to have a conversation and at least point you in the right direction if it's not a good fit. Okay, awesome. All right, well, let's wrap up here with a quick fire round. I've got four uh, questions for you. What's one tool or resource that you feel has helped you the most in, in your career? Oh, man, that is a good question. Um, you know, it's, I, I would say oh, there's so many, but I would actually go back to like the four-hour workweek book. Like, I don't know if you uh, read the yeah. Tim Ferriss yeah, Tim Ferriss, yeah, I love it. Yeah, but I feel like that was just such a, like game changing, like book for its time in terms of just like showing me like a different way to live. And I feel like that has been like probably the most like impactful. Yeah. Just in terms of like, yeah, entrepreneurship and lifestyle design and just like starting a business. I really was going down, I think the path of like, you know, working in finance for 20 years and then hopefully eventually maybe starting something until like he wrote that book and then kind of gave me permission, I think, to think a little bit differently. And so, yeah, I think that was a big one. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And my next question is actually about a book, you know, about one of your favorite <laughs> books that you could Oops. recommend to the audience. But I love the four hour work week. And, and I'll be honest, I kind of took the same thing away as well. Mm-hmm. And it kind of hit me at a, at a time when I was making some of those career decisions. So it was perfectly timed for me. What's another book that you'd recommend to the audience? Yeah, I would say... Traction is probably one of my favorite books now. I would say if you're more than like five or more employees, I think it starts to make more sense. But yeah, I think Traction, they kind of pioneered EOS, which is kind of like an operating system for how you run a business, whether it's like how you run your meetings, like especially your like strategic meetings or your level 10s, how you report on like scorecards, how you like set initiatives, all of that is, is something you don't really learn in like, at least in my undergrad business uh, degree. And so I think that has been like really transformational in terms of just like, yeah, how do we get everybody aligned and focused on the right things? And then how do we report on it and make sure that everybody's on the same page? Because I think, again, like sub four employees, it's really easy. Everybody, it's like a, it's like a family and everybody's on the same page and kind of, you're a little bit scrappier. But now that we're like at 70 employees, it's, it's a lot harder to make sure that everybody's growing the right way and focus on the right things. And so, yeah, I would definitely recommend Traction. Yeah, it's Traction, get a grip on your business. Is that Chino Wickman? That's the author? Yep. You got yeah. it. Awesome. Next question. What's one piece of advice that you'd give to your 21-year-old self? Oh, man. I would say learn to take risk now because it only gets harder as you get older yeah i mean my business partner and i both like credit like joining that first startup and like take you know taking the the 100 commission sales role making like 20 to 25 grand a year uh was great 
because, you know, it really pushed us in terms of getting out of our comfort zone. But, you know, when we left corporate jobs, making a lot more to do during this early stage startup, like that was like obviously a huge decision, but we did it when we were like, whatever, 24. And so it was a lot easier there because we didn't have families. We didn't have a lot of responsibilities. We didn't have a lot of overhead. But then when we ended up quitting and starting our company, it was a lot easier because we'd already done it once. You know, we'd already made like, you know, kind of sacrificed income like for the long term. And so, yeah, it just became easier. And having seen friends like do it much later in life, you know, you just have a lot, you know, nicer apartments and you have car leases and you have all these things. And where like when you're 21, if you screw up, you just go live at home, right? Like, and just like hang out with your yeah. parents, you get free food. Like, and, and then we kind of knew that, like that was like in the back of our mind, that's like the worst case. But like, yeah, I think, yeah, that, I, that would be my piece of advice. And just say, yeah, I mean, just like, if you want to do it, like just doing it, like we drove for Uber, like in our early days, just to like not to keep reinvesting every, uh, into the company, not taking distributions. But like, I mean, now I'm so thankful, obviously, like, and obviously, you know, it worked out. But yeah, I think just having that, like, focus on your goal, like in a long term view is really important. Cool. And uh, who's one person in your field of work that you would love to take to lunch? And maybe this is another entrepreneur that you look up to another brand, you know, who's somebody that you'd love to take to lunch? Oh man. Actually, I don't even know who it is, but uh, to be honest, but I'm always amazed by like goalie, like the brand, like the gummy manufacturer. So I would love to take the CEO or the founder of of goalie to lunch. I'm, I'm just like always amazed by that brand in terms of like, how they were able to scale to such a massive size with like such limited SKUs. And like, you know, I feel like they just did everything right. And so, yeah, I'm always just like kind of inspired. And I heard the story recently about how they kind of got their start on like the Ellen show, but like just like cool things like that. Yeah. I would love to, to learn more about. Yeah. Well, awesome. Fernando, you've been a great guest. I think that uh, I, I particularly like the actionable, you know, like applicable things that people can do and kind of take from this uh, interview. Again, what's the best way to get a hold of you if somebody wanted to, you know, just check out what you guys have to offer and, you know, maybe just uh, throw some questions at you. What's the best place to, to get a hold of you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks so much. But yeah, you, you can email me directly at marketplaceops.com. Dot com. And then I forgot to mention, uh, yeah, that we put together uh, a few resources like for the, like the fiddle community. So everything from like a product launch list to like how to optimize your Amazon PPC campaigns, creating high converting listings and a bunch of other like e-commerce trends, things like that. And so if, if people want to go download those uh, for free, like on our website, you can just go to marketplaceops.com backslash fiddle. And then you, you'll get all those emailed over to you. Okay. Awesome. Well, Hey, I'd love to do a follow-up, you know, and maybe dig a little bit deeper into some of these topics, you know? So for instance, the whole supply chain uh, thing, I I think could be a whole episode on its own. Totally. And I think that'd be really helpful to CPG brands. So uh, we might be reaching out to you to do that. I, I think it'd be awesome for the audience. Yeah. Would love to anytime, man. Thanks so much for having me again. All right. Hey, you take care. Appreciate it. The physical product movement podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening. Hey everyone, my name is Taylor Howe and I'm the marketing manager here at Fiddle. I want to jump on real quick to tell you about an incredible free resource that we put together for CPG brands. It's called Fiddle Connect. It's a curated database of over 3,000 co-packers and suppliers. You'll get websites, phone numbers, locations, categories, and more, all in one place. It's a must-have for any CPG brand, especially in the food, beverage, or nutraceutical space. And again, it's 100% free. To get immediate access, just go to fiddle.io forward slash connect. We are constantly updating the database and we promise you're going to love it. It'll save you time and headaches by helping you get to suppliers and co-packers faster than ever. So again, just go to fiddle.io forward slash connect to get free access today.